This is Lisa Neering with Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. We offer live online classes and self-paced classes, testing, academic advising, the special needs program, and so much more. Check out the show notes for links to our Facebook groups, Instagram, and more. Soft skills are things like communication, teamwork, creativity, and critical thinking. Skills so necessary to have rich, vibrant relationships and success, but often overlooked as we work hard to manage all of our other details and responsibilities. In this podcast, we'll offer you tips, tricks, and helps, along with some great stories as we help you develop and teach your kids to develop amazing soft skills. This entire month, I'm joined by my husband of 34 years, Dr. David Nearing, who's a clinical psychologist and director of mental health clinics in three different states. And we're excited to have you here for this entire month talking about the soft skill of communication. So in the last show, we ended up talking about how social media is disrupting communication. We touched briefly on what dialectic communication is, and we want to get down to brass tacks about what exactly we as parents and educators and and pastors and people can do to culture, uh, uh, cultivate and nurture real communication with people. So glad to have you back on the show, David. (laughs) I am glad to be back here where we can get away from disruptions to dialectic and talk about cultivating dialectic. And if you want to know what he means, check out last week's show because we talked about social media disruptions. So, But today we're going to talk about pragmatic things and ways that we can actually teach specifically our kids communication skills. Right. Well, I touched a little bit on it last time, which is... When your you sort of uh, middle middle school age child begins to argue with you, mm-hmm. wait, okay? wait, middle school kids argue? Wait, it's what they do, right? Right, it's what they it live is, for. Yes, it is what they do, and you and know they're hardwired that way. Well, let's take let's take your your average child saying that's not fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> get All over right, it, kiddo. This is life. <laughs> well, right, but see, to me. It's important to, there's a teaching moment there. Mm-hmm. If the child says that's not fair, it's, there's an opportunity for us to say to our child, okay, that's your claim. You've made a claim that that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Johnny or uh, Joni, what in fact is fair? How, is fair just getting what you want? Is fair just being everything's the same? What's fair, Johnny or Joni? And so, so that then, you know, then of course you'll see this, uh oh, look on their face. Okay. <clears throat> and, and so then. Or we can, they'll just throw the trash can down and walk off. I mean, <laughs> they might not have an uh oh moment. <laughs> they might not have that moment, but it's like, that's when that we un- invite them to kind of rest in the corner for a little bit or on the stairs or someplace. <laughs> and, and, Please and. Rest. Wait, yes. I want the nap. <laughs> you guys got the trash. I'm rusty. <laughs> right, right. We rest for a little bit and then say, okay. We were talking about something, and you said it's fair. Are you serious, Johnny or Joni, about fairness? Because if you're really concerned about fairness, I, as your father and mother, am really concerned about that too. But if we're going to talk about that, then we need to talk about this really honestly and seriously and not just you know try to play games here. So are you serious about this, Johnny or Joni, or not? Do you really think this is a fairness issue? And see, after they've had time to think about it, they'll either say, well, they know they're just trying to, you know, manipulate or get their way, or they really might want to know. And if they really want to know, then, well, I don't think it's fair that, okay, so let's talk about what fairness is. 
Well, and a lot of times it seems like, a lot of times when kids use those words when they hit middle school, they might not have the vocabulary they need to identify the issue at hand. Because I know I had to take out the trash when we lived in, my parents were in graduate school, and I had to go down three flights of stairs out into the dark to a dumpster, and it was totally safe, but it felt scary to me, and it didn't feel fair at all. Whoa. But I didn't have the vocabulary to say, or maybe the courage to say, I'm kind of terrified of going to that stupid dumpster alone. Well, but that that illustrates my point, mm-hmm. is that a lot of times when uh, kids get into middle school or high school, parents go into basically autopilot. They mm-hmm. think that their teaching and their parenting is all done. And it's in quite quite opposite. That's when you have to step it up mm-hmm. because, of course, a middle schooler doesn't have the vocabulary to talk about their emotions. That's what that time of life is for. Matter of fact, they have all kinds of experiences that and, and experiences and emotions they've never had before in their life. They don't have the language to describe it. And, and that's when they need the parents even more to mirror back to them. Well, it sounds like, you know, Lisa, you were feeling frightened to actually go outside in the dark in the, on the alley going down the stairs all by yourself. That seemed very scary for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mirroring back that emotion experience and giving them tools and language to identify what they're feeling mm-hmm. and then saying, but okay. So when you say fair, it sounds to me, Lisa, you are or were, I would say you, you're feeling that it's not considerate of you. Hmm. Wow. I, I probably went, as I'm thinking of my 12 year old self going, was it considerate of me? No, I didn't think so actually. <laughs> right, right. But you as a middle yeah. schooler were saying it's not fair, yeah. meaning it's not really considerate of me as a 12 year old to go out under this situation. Mm-hmm. Or it could have been a good, a good point for my parents. I mean, I love the, the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. I think it would have been a great opportunity for my parents if I, if we'd had that conversation for them to say, I, I could see how you might feel like it's scary. This is a great t- chance for you to really work on your courage. Like just go do it and take every co- thought captive. But in my world, there wasn't really an opportunity for adults to talk about what it meant to to modify or or change, reframe, I guess is a great way to say it, to really reframe those experiences that were overwhelming or scary or confusing. Well, really, I, I had no clue how to deal with them, as I think a lot of kids don't. Well, I, I agree, but it's because there wasn't a conversation of that. This isn't about fair. It's about considerate, mm-hmm. which having the conversation about fair leads to and listening, that parent listening to the young person, do you mean fair or do you mean something else? Mm-hmm. And they say, well, you know, it's scared, la, la, la. They say what they're going to say. They say, okay, so you don't feel considered. And then I say to you as the, as the father, well, yes. I can see how you don't feel considered in this because you're, it's very frightening to you. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me. However, and here's where I can now start to do some things that I don't, I would like to have done more when I was a younger father, but didn't. And so now this is what I'd like to have done is to say, you're my daughter. You're a strong young lady. You're capable and able, and you know how to take care of yourself. If, if you see something weird, if you see something strange, you know how to come back. You know how to cry out. You know how to get our attention. And you know what? I have a lot of faith in you. Mm-hmm. I think you can actually take care of this. And this is an opportunity for you to do something mm-hmm. courageous, which is because you're feeling afraid and doing it anyway, you'd be showing courage. If you didn't have that fear, little Lisa, mm-hmm. 
then then it really wouldn't be courageous for you to do this. Mm -hmm. But because you can do this and you do have fear, this is an opportunity for you to practice courage. Mm -hmm. Okay? And because you're my daughter, our family, because you believe and trust in God, then you can actually pull on those things and show courage and do this and let us know if there's any kind of problem. So... And I'm just thinking to myself as the tallest person in my class for most of my elementary school years, no one ever called me little because I towered over everyone. However, let's just talk about this from a practical point of view. Because if you have every conversation with every kid over everything, you're going to just talk yourself to death and them too. Right. So how do you triage? How do you really figure out what conversations are worth having and which conversations are the teaching point and which are not and which are just like... I don't really care what you're feeling. Take the trash out. Someone has to do it. it. You're capable. Everybody else is busy. Get it done. I think the young person themselves gives us a big clue by taking this tactic. Okay? Lisa, I know. You don't want to do it. You don't think it's fair. Um, I'll be happy to talk about this with you when you've done it and you've come back in. And and so a lot of times if if the young person really feels like there's some sense of personal injury or problem there, yeah, they'll want to have a conversation when we have time to deal with that later on in the evening. Mm -hmm. But if, on the other hand, they're just trying to get their way, they're no one more interested in having a conversation than you are at that point, mm -hmm. probably less so. Yeah. So so if they have something that they want heard and communicate, then we can say, yes, we'll talk about it when you get back in or in a half hour when we're done cleaning the kitchen or later this evening when we've blank and, and we set a tie set, but then we keep our promise. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to keep your promise when you've made one. Which communicates? Respect and integrity. And that you're trustworthy. Absolutely. Right. So even just coming back, circling back to close the loops with our kids uh, is teaching our kids communication. It's, t it's teaching communication, as you pointed out rightly. It's trustworthiness. It's also integrity, that I mean what I say and I, and I say what I mean. Mm -hmm. And if you want to learn more about integrity, um, join us all through February and March because we're going to have a two-month series on integrity and what that means. So don't forget to come back. Um, but back to communication skills. So having conversations with our kids, having conversations that are meaningful, um, helping them learn to reframe. Well... Things like, notice in my modeling with you, I affirmed our relationship. Mm -hmm. I affirmed who you are. It's more than just a kid afraid of the dark. Right, yeah. I was part of our family. Right. It's important. One of the things, again, that I would have liked to have done more as a father was to, you know, basically state the obvious, what to me was obvious, mm -hmm. which was that my children are my children. They are belong to my family, the Nearings. They are Christians, they are Americans, and really, really highlight that identity a bit more often than I did. Why? Okay. Because we're living in a time when... Oh, social upheaval, maybe. Right. We're ah. living in a time where there's social upheaval, but more to the point, there's this fantasy out there that your identity is whatever you choose it to be. And it's mine. It's right. all mine. Right, right. You don't get a part of it. Exactly. Nobody else gets a part of it. Well, me, 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 me. It's delusional. Okay. okay. That's is, not a very nice word. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's kind of how it works. You're a mental health professional. You. Indeed. And so what happens is that is that my identity really is a conversation between myself, my family, my ancestors, and most importantly, my God. Mm. 
Okay, that's what my identity is. It's a conversation between all those people. I don't get to just decide what my identity is all by myself because that's not an identity. Okay. So why? How do you say it's not an identity? Well, but what that is is that that's like having you know again going back to the elementary school. That's like you know the child saying I'm Superman and going up on the on the roof with a with a blanket and trying to fly off the roof. There are certain realities of gravity. Okay, and physics that are going to apply to them that they don't get to decide. Okay? So you're saying if we say we're alone and our identity is ours to determine and narrate, that we're going to be like some little kid flying off a brick building? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So draw that, draw that together for me. Well, let's think about this. If Robinson Crusoe had never gotten off the island and told him a story, told his story, mm-hmm. would there have been a narrative? In his own head. No. He would have died on the beaches as an old man, and there would have been only his experience, not a narrative. Okay. A narrative entails somebody hearing and listening and responding. Oh, wait. That's communication. There we go. Okay. But so if I decide that I'm a pink bunny, Uh and, and I tell you that, even if you look at me in disbelief, it doesn't mean I can't have that delusion if I want to. Right. The thing is, that's, that is a story you're telling me. But that's the problem with the word narrative. Is the word of narrative obscures the difference between a truth and a fantasy. Okay? Mm-hmm. It breaks that thing down. Okay? And so, as a result, we can't actually have a very effective relationship around truth when all you're doing is just doing fiction storytelling. So just let's go way back to where we were five or four or five minutes ago. So when we're talking to our kids and teaching them communication skills and teaching them how to get over their emotions or learn to identify them, if we tie them in to this greater fabric of reality and communication and family and identification, it is going to teach them greater communication skills, a greater sense of identity. Well, something as simple as if Johnny says that says something that needs to be verified and I say, okay, let's go check this out. Let's measure if what you're saying is so. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's see it. Now, if, if Johnny's telling me a falsehood, okay, what I'm saying to them and saying, okay, Johnny, you said this and this is what, what, what we actually can see. Mm-hmm. That doesn't go together, Johnny. You don't get to just make up your story and now I take it. We actually have to measure to see if it's verified mm-hmm. by something that says that your story is based on something real. You don't just get to make up whatever it is. Mm-hmm. In that same way, when I talk to to my child about being part of a greater community, family, uh, faith, a nation, all these sorts of things that says you are an American, you are part of a Christian family, et cetera, et cetera, I am saying that there is this larger community that they are accountable to, mm. okay, and that that they ha- that has a claim on them, mm. okay. I love that, right? Because, like my my our younger kids don't know our grandparents at all, right? But um, we have their pictures on the wall, and it's so fun to tell their stories. How Grandpa got on a train at twelve and went to Chicago alone, right. And created a life. Right. Yeah. And exactly. A hard life. A hard, hard life. But at the end, it was a beautiful life. It was an honorable life. Yeah. Right. It was, it had honor. And that's what honor is. Honor doesn't just go to just somebody for breathing. Mm-hmm. Honor communicates something of value that's paid, that is passed from group to individual and individual to the group. Mm-hmm. And so honorable living 
is fundamental to our sense of identity because who we are is expressed in those honorable actions or not. Okay. So, well, we, this seems like so far afield in some ways from teaching our kids communication, but really communication is what is the point of communication to be seen, to see, to work, to live, to not be alone in the world. Because the point of communication is this, there's a me there's a the, there's a we. And when there's a me and a the, and we arrive at the we, we've communicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's not that easy. As always, thank you for joining us for another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where I'll be joined by my husband, Dr. David Nearing. We'd love to hear your comments and questions and appreciate your listening, sharing, and downloading this podcast. We'll see you next week for another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. Thanks for joining us.